Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Life in General podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Ian. You are remote, Ian. We're going to be remote for a couple more weeks. Yep. <clears throat> and then we'll get back to uh, our normal recording schedule. Hopefully by that time my, my school schedule opens up a little bit and it's not so chaotic and because I, I i prefer to record in person recording remotely is still a little strange to me but mm-hmm. it's definitely a lot easier you know i come down here and just hit record and just go you know yep i was taking not... i took a nap until about 4 30 did you really <laughs> yeah i was studying all that i had like some stuff i had to do at school this morning and then uh I've got a big exam on Monday, so I've been studying for that. So I don't know what uh, what else is going on, man. Not a whole lot. Just uh, you know, plug along. I I don't have any exams to study for. So <laughs> why not, Ian? Go back to school. Nah. Rack 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 up some of that uh, student loan debt that all the kids today rave about. Yeah. No. <laughs> school debt is for the young. Ah, whatever. You figure, <laughs> hey, you know what, Ian? With you being as old as you are, you know, you can rack up a whole bunch of student loan debt. You'll be dead before you ever pay it off. So I worry about it. This is, this is true. Well, I'll probably <laughs> be dead before I finish the, the schooling I'm taking loan for. Ah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, you are an old bastard. So I am an old bastard. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a whopping uh, 18 months older than you. Are you? Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm like a fine wine, though. I'm getting better with age. Yeah, they call it vinegar. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, so was it a week ago, right? Was it? Yeah, yeah a week real, ago. Real quick. You, you yeah. sound a little like, um, almost like it's like too loud. Like there's a, a, I don't know. It's not loud, but it sounds like. You know, like speaker sound when you when it's something's loud, you get that like kind really? of rattle in it. Yeah. Let me see if I can turn down my. I didn't audio. notice until you started talking until we started the show. Is that better? Yeah, it's a little better. A little better. Yeah. Just turn my audio down. See, that's that's the bad thing about recording like this is I it's not running through the mixer, so I can't right. really kind of see what it. the I, I can't see what the audio is doing, so I can't really like. Right. Do it on the fly. So when we recorded the last couple episodes, I didn't know I sounded like shit until after I was done. So right, I was and like, uh, yeah, I sound really muffled. Yeah, no, the, like I said, it was almost like it was like too loud for the speakers. You know how that? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, like, that, yeah. Yeah. So I know what you mean. So yeah, I turned it down a little bit. Is it, is it better now? It's a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's not hitting like all the way up on the end of the peak scale or whatever it is on the right. microphone on the microphone setting here. So right. Um. Okay. So as I was getting ready to say though, the uh, a week ago was the twentieth anniversary of the September eleventh terrorist attack. So I figured before we get into the topic, we'll probably I want to talk about that a little bit because it was a. Uh, I was thinking about it. So there's been all these like different TV shows on uh, over the last you know couple of weeks, so leading up to the anniversary date about that day and what it meant to other people. And I, I watched this really interesting documentary about. I don't remember the name of it, but. It was the documentary, though the people that made the documentary uh, interviewed a bunch of like 9-11 survivors, not really survivors, but people that were affected by 9-11, uh, 
shortly after it happened so within like the the year or so after after the the terrorist attack they they interviewed a bunch of people and then they went back beginning of this year and re-interviewed those same people so it's kind of interesting to see how uh their lives have changed how that event really shaped their lives and it kind of it kind of got me thinking about not only did it, how it shaped those people's lives but how it's really shaped our country as a whole mm-hmm. and I kind of came away with the, and it it really, and this is nothing like towards that documentary or towards any of the other stuff I've watched, but I mean, I, looking back on it, I kind of see it as a really a huge turning point in our country. And when I say turning point, I mean, in a, in the, in a negative way, I think, I think that that event was almost like the beginning of the decaying of American society. Would I would you kinda, agree. I would okay. totally agree. Actually, I was going to say because because I I remember that day very vividly. Yeah, so I was working at a uh, at a building supply company in over towards Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was I was back in our shingle yard that morning, and I remember like. We had a radio in the in the warehouse, and I remember it came across the warehouse, the radio that uh, an airplane hit the the World Trade Center. My first thought was, like, who the fuck flies it? How like how do you fucking hit an, uh, a building like that? Mm-hmm. Like, because you know, originally, you know, mo- like most people, my first thought was it was an accident. Right. Me too. And you know, shortly after, uh, I think it was even before before the second plane hit, I remember talking to a guy I work with and I don't know if I said it or he said it, but, you know, uh, but one of us was like, you know, a commercial airline like that doesn't accidentally hit a big fucking building like that. Mm-hmm. That's probably not an accident. And then it was like shortly after that, the second plane hits the building and we're like, Oh fuck, you know, I guess, uh, yeah. And, and it was like, it was like chaos, you know, even in Michigan, like, you know, yeah. hundreds of miles away. We had no idea what the fuck was going on. Like I remember, uh, like we had to go down to one of our other warehouses, uh, down the road to unload a shipment. And like, there was reports on the radio that, uh, you know, the mall of America in, in Minneapolis was a target and was going to get hit. And, uh, so it was like, it seemed like a, a lot of stuff was going on. You know, the Pentagon got hit. You know, then later we found out about the the airplane that was headed towards the uh, the 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 capital that you know uh, was landed, you know, grounded in or crashed in Pennsylvania. And I remember, like, it, like that whole day it was like a almost like a blur. Oh. And then, uh, you know, I remember going home, and you know, you were living with me and Mandy at the time, where we were all living together, and oh. kind of spent the whole night watching uh, all the crazy videos. And I remember, like, one guy I worked with, his name was Dwayne. His uh his mom was actually with a church group in New York that day, and they were scheduled to go take a tour of the World Trade Center. They didn't make it to they hadn't made it to the World Trade Center that at that point. Thank God. But uh, like I remember, he left work, you know, sh- you know, probably because the second plane hit what nine something, nine forty something like that, nine forty five, mm. ten o'clock, somewhere like was, in the early yeah. early part of the day. By the way, like shortly after the second plane hit, he left. I don't know. I don't know if he actually went to New York or what he ended up doing, but well, uh, he wasn't flying, regardless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah, very true. But uh, 
so it was just uh i don't know and then like later in the day i remember we were back in the in the warehouse and this uh this pickup truck pulls up and this guy's like hey hey we're all going down to dearborn so if you guys don't know listen to the show dearborn is a very um muslim it's a big muslim community you know that, that lives in, in in dearborn it's like one of the it's the largest arab community outside of the middle east i think at least it was at one time and uh so this guy pulls up in a pickup truck and he's like hey we're all going down to dearborn we're gonna go find them terrorists you guys want to come with us and we're like uh no no thanks we're good <laughs> you know it's like and then after he left i was like i turned to the guy i worked with and i was like man we're in fucking trouble like yeah yeah it's this this is what's going to be happening this is what's and it's it you know 20 years later that still is going on you know uh yeah there was that um north was it northville or roseville woman who uh just got arraigned in court because she beat up a muslim woman on a plane yeah i mean like <laughs> that was that was just this past week yeah and that, that's what i'm talking about it's like it was it, it became this point where we kind of devolved into separate or uh, groups really mm-hmm. you know yeah we were all temporarily united after september 11th it didn't take long though before it turned into the and you know Ian, in our defense we were against we were vocally against the the war in afghanistan the war in iraq and all that stuff so uh, were, yep. to, to, just just to kind of put out what stance we had at that time but it was you could see it really early on you know within the first eight to 12 months of this there was a certain faction in the united states in the government and in the population that kind of took the stance of well you know you have to have the american flag flying all the time and if you don't you're a traitor if you don't support every single move that the American government has or, or, or makes you're a traitor. No, and it, it, you can see this really ugly side that I I saw coming out of, um, you know, the, the, our society. Well, it was kind of, it was kind of the birth of the nationalist movement, this new modern nationalist movement in, in the United States, which as you know, is kind of culminated in the, the uh i don't know the, is it is it really trump trump side but i mean he's definitely cashed in on it oh he's Which cashed I, in on it yeah but i mean it's it started with that because yeah. you're right there were many times where i was like um no i don't have to agree with anything the government does yeah you know, and I it's you know, place and I, I i'm i have the right to not agree with it yeah well while well, you you don't support the troops then is right. the thing i always yeah. got and i'm like I, I'll always support the troops. You know, the, it's not the troops' fault. They're not the ones making the horrible fucking decisions. Right. You know, I blame me, the people seems, that are sending them off to die. Right. And to me, it's, it seems to me like at, not asking them to go and die for for no reason is supporting them way more than just saying, "Absolutely, go ahead and go, don't go die." To me, regardless, like, regardless of what political side you support. Uh, you should always question military action, you yeah. sh- especially if you're. We're sending troops, we're sending people into other people's countries. We're invading countries, which is what we did. We invaded two countries. You know, when we are out invading countries, we should always 
like stop and say, look, is this worth it? Is this in the national, in the interest, the best interests of the United States? I don't give a shit about our allies. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Is it in the best interest of the United States? Because in going in, especially not, not so much when we went in Afghanistan, but when we went into Iraq, we went in Iraq alone. There was no, uh, you know, international community going with us. It was just our soldiers that were dying. I believe right. Canada sent some, and then uh, in, you know the UK sent yeah. some also. We that's didn't get NATO support or UN support on that. One. No, no. So it. it and I think over the course of the last 20 years, you've seen, like you said, you've seen this festering that's been building up. And really, I blame, I, I, it all goes back to me. For me, it all goes back to September 11th. Mm-hmm. Well, without September 11th, there would have been no, no reason to go into Afghanistan. There would have been no reason to go into Iraq. And not that those were, not that 9-11 was the, I mean, a legitimate reason, but it was the reason used. There would have been no reason for that to happen. Yeah. So you know how many how many that's that's what bothers me so much about right now and these people up in arms about the withdrawal from afghanistan specifically like the loss of those 13 soldiers at the, at the tail end it's like they yeah that's sad it's terrible yeah absolutely see any soldier die but 13 get, get the fuck out 20, we've lost 2500 and yeah. close to 100,000 people total in terms of civilian loss of life yeah it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and if you, yeah, it, it for me, because I, I had the same argument on uh, social media a couple days ago with a guy, you know, going back and forth. I don't even know what we were talking about. It had nothing to do with Afghanistan. Uh, actually, I believe it was COVID related, is what the conversation was. And then it turned into, well, I bet you support, uh, you know, you support Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, I supported it when Trump proposed it. Yeah, exactly. As much as I can hate that guy, I was like, good, we need to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, get the fuck out. We should have done that. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. It's been 20 years. We've been in Afghanistan since, what, 2002? So we've been there for 19 years. We should have gotten out of Afghanistan 18 years and six months ago. Well, no, we went into (laughs) Afghanistan in October of 2001. Okay, fine. So... In March Still, of 2003, fine. we, sh- we should have been, we should have got out, you know, 19 years and four months ago then. Right. You know, it, it was something that we went into Afghanistan with no real plan. You know, we were never there to nation build. We were there to, you know, <laughs> attack a group of people that were, that planned this terrorist attack in Germany. You know, well, and to be fair, it, they didn't. It was a, it, 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 part of it came from Afghanistan, but a lot of it came from Saudi Arabia. We didn't yeah. go to well, then, Saudi Arabia. Uh, most, most of the most of the nine eleven attackers were from Saudi Arabia, and a lot of the funding that Biden just released that that classified paper, and it and it said there was funding involved there too yeah. from Saudi Arabia. So, you know, the 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 argument that terror we went in there to fight terrorism only applies if we would have gone into Saudi Arabia as well. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, you know, that's the, that's the terrible thing is, is the, the war in, Af- the war in Afghanistan morphed into the war in Iraq yes. and, and we had even less reason to go into Iraq than we did Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about, you know, civilian loss, the civilian loss in Iraq is probably in the millions. 
you know, so, you know, it's, it's crazy to look at. If you really want to look at it, if you really want to like, at least the way I look at it on September 11th and what has happened post September 11th, we as a society let the terrorists win. Yes. Because that's exactly what the terrorists wanted to do. What Osama bin Laden and what Al Qaeda wanted to do was unravel American society. And that's exactly what has happened over the course of the last years. And we're, and we're still years. seeing it. You know, bin Laden's been dead for 10 years, and we're still yeah. seeing the unraveling of the United of the of our yeah. social structures. Yeah, all they did was pull that first string. Mm-hmm. And then we have pulled the rest of it. You know, mm-hmm. it just keeps on going. And it, uh, you know, unfortunately, I know we've talked about it before, Ian. It's like, are we witnessing the end of the Roman Empire? You know, we are. I've been saying it even more so the last six months or so. I've been saying this is it. The, you know, we're on this this country the, as a as a entity is on borrowed time. Yeah, and I, I I'm I'm not as down as you are on that. I, I don't. I think we can come back. I think that's going to take a lot for us to come back, though, because I think. And <clears throat> so, on the very first episode of the Life and Draw podcast, which was almost five years ago, the whole topic of that first show was basically how much I fucking hate social media. And, uh, the, you know, five years later, I think that one of the things that is a roadblock stopping, uh, our society from kind of healing is social media, you know? Yeah. I, I, I didn't disagree with you then, but I wasn't, I was kind of on the, like you, like you with, you know, the fall of the United States, I was kind of like, yeah, not that only gets as bad as you're putting it out. Now it's like, I almost think that I'd be okay with the internet collapsing for six months to a year <laughs> and not, not being able to function, you know, have no internet for, for six months yeah. just to see what happens. It's because it's a toxic place and it allows toxic people to find and associate themselves with other toxic people. Right. And, and, and it's funny too, because I've seen people that I know the, the run up to the 2016 election, right. Well, I, I worked with a guy at the time that, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, Trump's going to win on a lion's land. I don't know anyone. I, he goes, I'm not friends with anyone on Facebook that supports Hillary Clinton. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of interesting because all that is, all that means is you have surrounded yourself with people that think only like yourself. And that's a, it, it is a, it's something that's really terrible. And a lot of people do that. They kind of insulate themselves. And, uh, you know, they don't allow in alternative viewpoints mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the whole premise of this podcast was debates that, that we would, that you and I would have with people like my brother and other people that would come over to the house, you know, years and years ago that didn't have the same views a, a, as we did. And we would always kind of have this civil conversation. And there's been a lot of shit on this show that you and I have been very, very far apart on. Yeah. Religion is one of them. Yeah. Uh, and we have tried our best. <laughs> we haven't always succeeded. Right. But we tried our best to have civil conversations about things because it's something that 
just doesn't happen in society anymore. Right. Like, I can't tell you the last time I had a conversation with somebody uh, that had severely differing opinions on something where I didn't turn into this kind of like sling, you know, you're just slinging mud back and forth. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I, with, uh, I think with you and I, with you and me, we, we, we can scream at each other as much as we want to because we disagree and because you like to push buttons <laughs> whatever which makes me really angry and uh so i mean we've, we've had some heated arguments but at the end of the day obviously you and i agree more than we disagree but yeah when it comes to things that well we it depends on what it is yeah well for the most part though i mean I for think the most part yeah you and i are pretty close you're you're oh, like geez. you're 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 a little more far left to the than me but uh i don't know i think i'm i think i'm not though i mean i i used to agree with you but i i don't think i am i think it's just that i i yes i mean as as far as like everything depends, being equal, it depends on the topic right everything being equal i think i'm probably more left of you but there's a lot of things that i probably maybe even slightly right of you not a lot but a few uh, things, i don't a know few about things, that <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be. It'd be hard for me to even think of some, but I. Yeah, that's you know, it's because I, I mean, socially, socially, I am very liberal, but uh, fiscally, I don't. I don't call myself. I don't consider myself a conservative. I'm. I, I consider myself uh, fiscally moderate. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and I, that's, and that's I. I think I'm. I'm probably slightly more moderate, maybe even slightly right, because, but in a different way, in the sense that, like, when it comes to how our government spends its money i don't think they're they're not fiscally responsible because i don't no. think they're spending the money where they're supposed to yeah and i think you and i would agree that there's a lot of money that they spend that we that could be spent on social programs that's the liberal side of oh it. you mean like the 300 million dollars a year that uh, i'm sorry 300 million dollars a day that they were spending in afghanistan yeah yeah that's i mean that's a good that's start an example um and that's and that's the funny thing we've been out of afghanistan for what three weeks now two weeks yeah that's add that add that total together and how many people are still fucking starving still hungry in the street oh i know but here's the thing though here's the thing is and and, you also have to remember that there's a lot of military contracts that go into um all that stuff so i don't know if like contractually if they still have to pay for other things even though we're not there anymore i'm not sure but um i found it really interesting in the week leading up to I said the last week in August, the beginning, the first week in September, uh, you know, so the beginning, so just before the withdrawal from Afghanistan and, and right after the withdrawal, um, hold on, I got to turn my TV off because it's shining a really weird light on my face. <laughs> distracted me, but, uh, I know I, I was going to say, are you having a disco over there? <laughs> it went, it went from like this blue haze to like CD, like basement of the, of the, of the, it was like, you know, it was a flow. state. It was a state fire commercial, so the screen was all red. But anyway, so yeah. so there was this like I found it really interesting that so so like two two and a half weeks span, like the only people that you saw on uh, CNN because I'm going to call them out to uh, MSNBC yeah. and Fox News, those three news networks, which I rarely watch anyway, but I was kind of flipping through them, and every single time I turn on one of those three, you had somebody from 
the the Bush administration talking about how Joe Biden has screwed up the this withdrawal, right? Mm. And it, and it's okay, and it's not necessarily people from the Bush administration. It was people that were involved in us going to Afghanistan and going to Iraq. Right. You know, people from both sides that were in favor of those military actions. They were the people that they that those networks had chosen to to call out the Biden administration for the withdrawal. Right. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, you were the fucking people that put us there in the first fucking place. Right. So who the fuck are you to tell us how to get out? Right. Yes. Did was it the most graceful exit out of a military? Uh, um, I don't really want to call it a war, but um, a military action was it the most graceful exit? Absolutely not. Was it messy? Shit, yeah, it was. You know, did people needlessly die? Probably. Mm-hmm. But I'm just glad we're fucking out. Yeah. You know, and and the sad thing was we spent over well over two trillion dollars in twenty years. You know, uh, supporting and training the military in Afghanistan. And all we needed them to do was support the country for two weeks so we can get the fuck out. And they couldn't even do that. No. So I think it was like by the time that that the, the U.S. government saw that it was going to take days and hours in some uh, instances instead of weeks and months for the Taliban to take over. I think at that point, militarily, we had already taken too much out of the country to try to get back in. At that point, I think by the time they realized it was going to be a shit show, they were at the point of making one or two decisions. Either get the fuck out as fast as we can or get back into a military conflict. Right. You know, and, And I think as Joe Biden is the first commander-in-chief that we've had over this the this uh war in afghanistan he's the first commander-in-chief that actually had skin in the game yes his son is dead but he actually had a son that was in the military and in fighting right right over the course of the last 20 years so i think biden looked at that and said you know what regardless of what the fuck happens we can't send more people in we cannot send in more troops Should we have held back a little bit and let more people leave? Yes. But here's my issue with all of that. When people keep saying, well, there's hundreds of U.S. citizens still in Afghanistan. There are, you know, potentially thousands of people in Afghanistan that helped the United States during the last 20 years that we need to get out. And I'll agree. Yes. Those people probably need to get out, but why the fuck did they wait till the very last fucking minute to get out? You know, this deadline we've known the August 31st was going to be the deadline for six months. Get the fuck out. Why are you waiting until August 30th to try to get out? That was the thing I didn't understand. And that was the thing I've had conversations on Facebook, on on social media with other people about. It's like, yeah, it sucks that these people got left behind. Uh, Why? They they had plenty of notice, you know, to get out. I know they're all they're all military contractors for the mo- most part anyway. So what they were doing was they were trying to, you know, bleed as much money out of the United States government till the very last second and then try to get out. But guess what? They got stuck. So yeah, yeah, it sucks that they need to get out. But like I said, why wait till the last fucking minute? Now, so so your inaction has now created this 
this, um, you know, almost like panic within parts of the United States uh, society or the, the, our, you know, the, the citizens of the United States of, oh, you know, we're doing a horrible job trying to get out of this war. Look at what's going on. When right. those people played a role in not getting the fuck out. No argument for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You're not, yeah. You're not saying anything. I don't, don't agree with. So, and that's, um, and that's the thing. It's, even though it's it's a withdrawal, it's a it's the ending of a war. It's still a war yeah. zone. People are gonna die. Um, yeah. It just it just that's that's the nature of the beast. What I think this last twenty years has proven is that no military action will ever succeed in Afghanistan. Oh, that should have because been proven. That should have been proven in the eighties. It was <laughs> when and, when and Russia when Russia was there for almost ten years. Yeah, not to mention the the twenty years combined on two separate occasions when the uh, British tried to do it too. Yeah, because it Afghanistan's not set up like a normal country. You know, Afghanistan is, uh, you know, the very small, more modernized capital, mm-hmm. and then outside of that is a lot of uh, territories that are run by warlords. And not that, only that, but it, a lot of people. It's not going to change. People are still living in mud huts in some of those areas. They haven't, yeah. you know, as far as they're concerned, it's not the 21st century yet. Yeah. You know, in many cases, it's not even like the 15th century yet. Um. So, how do how do you? And I mean, this is true in any scenario. How do you go in and tell a people who have no understanding of what what you're even about? Now you have yeah. to live like us. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It's never and the whole and the whole time we were there, we were paying off these warlords. We were paying the, the Taliban. We were paying every side to kind of stay at bay and let us do what we need to do. And uh you know, and it just didn't work. It didn't it didn't work. We you know, the the moment we killed Osama bin Laden, we should have fucking been out. Right. And it shouldn't have taken us ten years to kill him. No. Yeah, two, you know, it, the, took, it took a, a second president to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, we knew where he was. You know, he wasn't hiding. You know, he was he was living his life. Right. You know, we could have went in with a drone and, and killed him years before, but whatever. I, uh, I, I just thought the whole 9-11 thing was very interesting because I see this. You know, it is a sad, dark day in American history where 3,000 Americans lost their lives and, you know, countless others died because of, you know, the the cleanup action. Millions died because of military actions that happened after that. So it's just like this this dark time. But it's also interesting to kind of, like I said, to kind of sit back and kind of reflect on what that day has done to American society as a whole. Yeah, it's um I don't know. I try not to think too much about it. It's uh, it's one of those situations where it's like having lived through it but not lived through it. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I didn't I didn't go to war. I didn't I didn't join up the military, even though I could have. Yeah, we both got of I didn't, uh, I didn't lose anyone close to me, but as an American, um, 
I, I don't know if I necessarily could say it about me, but I think the country as a whole is still suffering a great deal of PTSD from it. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. There's, it's difficult to, even for a single individual to, to, for people to help heal that, those, the traumas that cause mm. that. But on a national scale, it, I just don't ever see those wounds healing, at least until this generation, the generation that lived through it, are gone. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Cause it's just, it, it, it was interesting, like going through and thinking about the last 20 years and seeing, you know, how quickly we as a society kind of became numb to being at war. You know, it was something there in the beginning, uh, you know, people were protesting against it, fighting for it, fighting against it on opposite sides. But we always like every day on the news, they would scroll through and, 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 you know, talk about how many soldiers died that day in Afghanistan. And that kind of disappeared after, you know, not for eight very months. long. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't very long. And I, I kind of went away and it was like, you know, Oh yeah, we are still at war. Oh yeah. I forgot all about that. You no, know, it was, right. and it was, it, I don't know. It's just, you know, the, 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 the amount of money that we spent in that military action, like I said, over $2 trillion is what we spent in Afghanistan. You know, for what? You know, yeah. what, were we, what were we there fighting for? We were, you know, and, and that was the whole thing that we talked about, you know, you and I talked about uh, probably shortly after 9-11 was, uh, you know, the fact that we were going off halfway to you know, the other side of the world uh, to fight a war against ideas. Right. And how difficult that was going to be. And, you know, similarly with the Persian Gulf War in the early 90s, uh, you know, George Bush Sr. didn't invade Iraq because there was no good exit strategy. Mm -hmm. His son did not repeat that same action because there was no there was no good exit strategy in Afghanistan. Hell, there a couple of years after the fact, there were memos that have been declassified where you know top ranking people in the military had no fucking idea what we were even there for. Mm-hmm. Because they were it was never set up to be nation building. You know, most of the most right. of the most of the two trillion dollars we spent in Afghanistan was training the Afghan military and weapons. And then, unfortunately, we had to leave. And I want to say we spent the number. And that was the other crazy thing is is Fox News and uh, you know I've seen several Republican uh, uh, congressmen. I don't know, can you say congressmen anymore? The Congress people? I'm not sure, but whatever. Say representative. I, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I've seen several representatives talk about like three hundred trillion dollars, three hundred billion dollars, whatever it was. Uh, you know, it was a lot of money. I don't know if it was 300 million, whatever it was, some large money amount of money that we left there in, in machinery. And it was funny too, because like going back and looking at like the actual numbers of what we spent on weapons in Afghanistan, it was like, in reality, it was, a, it was a lot of money, but it was like a 10th of the number that they kept quoting, you know, it, it's this like alternate reality that some people live in. Mm-hmm. 
that kind of like breeds into all of the 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 division in our society. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is, is that I don't think, I, I mean, I'm speaking strictly for Americans. I don't think we understand what it, what it actually requires to understand and, and find the fat, the facts accurately Yeah. find accurate facts. We've relied on for the, I mean, for the pretty much all of the 20th century, we relied on, on the media to tell us things and explain things to us that we didn't totally understand. And that was fine because it was, they were trusted. We could trust, you know, Walter Cronkite was a trusted individual. We know that yeah. if he was saying something, that information had been vetted. Yeah. And that if it turns out to be wrong, he will correct it and, and give us the proper information. We don't, we, for the last, even the last part of the 20th century, but mainly the last 25 years, 20, 30 years, we haven't had that. We don't have that trust. No. And I mean, that's how you get people who are like, do your own research about COVID. It's like, how, okay, yeah, do your own research. Where's your fucking lab? Yeah. <laughs> Show me your fucking lab. Well, and research well something to me. With, with that, you can do research because there's lots of, uh, especially when it comes to like vaccines, mRNA vaccines, there's 15 years worth of data you can actually go through. But you can do research without having a lab. But, right, but if, that's, yeah, if I, that were true, if that were the case, then these people doing their own research wouldn't be screaming that. They would be saying, yeah, they're right. The, the vaccine's fine. Yeah. You know I what know. I mean? It's like, and the same thing goes with the war. It's like weapons of mass destruction in, in Iraq. We couldn't trust the media because the media was just regurgitating what, what the administration was telling them. Yeah. And we know now, and we actually knew pretty much right after that the administration was lying to them, but yeah. they never came out and apologized. They never came out and said, okay, we were wrong. And they're, we're going to, we need to do something about this. They never why would they? they just moved on to the next they? fucking story. That's because That's all they need to do. Walter Cronkite would have. Yeah. You know, I, I mean? you know what? In, in 2001, 2002, I don't know if he would have, because I don't know if the network he was, the, the, you know, that was all a big push from the networks because at that time, it still is true today, you know, cable news is all about ratings. It's all about it's, viewers. It's so, money, yeah. so if you're, you know, uh, you know, news network X, right. Mm -hmm. And you want to have access to the president, you've got to play by his rules, you know, especially with, you know, uh, you know, the 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 Trump White House was notorious for blacklisting entire news agencies uh, out of press briefings where they couldn't ask questions, and, they, right. and, and then after a while they weren't even allowed to be there. You know, it, it was, and I think a lot of that has led this distrust in the media. I mean, shit, the only thing that has lower approval ratings in the media, I think, is Congress. You know, <laughs> you know, well, nobody, with good reason. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and a lot of that changed in the late 80s, that move away from the fairness doctrine and things like that, mm -hmm. where, you know, to be a news agency, a quote-unquote news agency, you had to discuss both sides of the, or give equal time to both sides of the argument. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the late 80s, that, that went away. Right. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of news networks, 
at the prior to the the late 80s lost money every year they you knew that they were gonna lose money news was not something you made money in and and then in the late 80s early 90s there was this move to uh take the news agencies and move them into the entertainment side of the business uh and and that's when it kind of really started taking on a life of its own and you saw this like uh this, this push in the media to really vilify one side versus the other right so yeah so the the media has gotten us to the point i think where it's you know i don't want to put all the blame at the feet of social media because you know the media in general has played a large role longer than the the social media has right in, in playing this game of division uh because even like in the in the run-up to the iraq war you saw news outlets playing the you know you have to be patriotic game you know oh well you know and like everything there's flags everywhere um you know it was which is it, that's something that's always kind of interested me because uh i've been a, a a soccer fan for a long time right and like being a fan of international sports you see how sports looked at in other countries right and growing up it wasn't anything weird or strange to me that uh you know like before the baseball game before like any sporting event they would play the national anthem and then you start then then you when you start watching like international sports you're like oh (laughs) like the united states is the only area the only the only place that happens like when you watch a manchester united soccer game there's no national anthem or anything before the game. You walk, you know, same thing with like watching cricket or anything else or, or tennis. There's no, there's not this like big nationalism stance that, uh, that you have to take before you, you, uh, you know, watch the sporting event. And even like, uh, you know, Jack's been playing varsity football this year. We go to the varsity fo- football games and, uh, you know, before the game, they're like, okay, you know, you know, everyone stand to put your hand on your heart. We're going to do the national anthem. And it's like, it, it seems kind of strange to me now that, uh, right. that it's, it's like this forced patriotism, patriotism, this, this like forced nationalism. And that, uh, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's perfectly normal and fine to be proud of your country. Uh, you know, where we've gotten to this, this point over the last 20 years where, it's no longer about being proud of your country. It's blind, blindly following your country. Mm-hmm. You know, if you question something in the government, unless Biden's in office or, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Black man, Obama, you know, right. those are two examples of when it's okay to, to question the government. Right. Uh, but we, during the Bush administration, uh, during the Trump administration, you know, any kind of questioning of the government, uh, you know, was taboo. And it was, you know, you, you're, you're fighting against your country if you question things. And it, uh, that's always kind of the interesting thing. It, it's always interesting to watch cable, uh, cable news change depending on who's in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because you have aspects of, the like I want to call I want to call them the liberal media because there's not 
there is some liberal, liberal media, but there's not a whole of it out, a whole lot of it out there. Most of it's yeah. corporate media, you know. But right. the, the the liberal media that does exist out there uh, doesn't question uh, democratic policies as much as they attack Republican policies. And conservative news outlets like Fox News don't question Republican whether or not they're in office or out of office. Right. Um, but, you know, the there's very few instances when I turn on CNN, I rarely watch MSNBC anymore, and I rarely watch uh, Bill Maher, but, like, you really don't see it a whole lot on MSNBC, at least from what I see of it, of them kind of questioning American policies under Biden. They did a lot on Trump, but they don't do it as much under Biden. Uh, Bill Maher has, has made a career of questioning things regardless of who's in office. Right. Right. So, so I can't really use, I can't really use his, him, him yeah. as an example. And CNN even doesn't um, go after mistakes that Biden have made, has made like they went after mistakes that Trump has made. Now, if you flip on Fox News, Fox News is uh, Biden is a bumbling, complete moron 24-7. Like, <laughs> yeah. And and Trump but, was, was the savior. Yes, yes. It, but that's what I mean. It's like all this media stuff kind of, they were like the, the canary in the coal mine, kind of. You know, they were the ones that the media 30 years ago was, you could see this like uh, cancer almost festering right? right or at least or or at least the creation of this this cancer and i think the september 11th terrorist attacks like broke it wide open you know it, there was this like short very short honeymoon period after the terrorist attacks and then over the course of the next you know 19 and a half years we've devolved to where we are now right uh and it's gone very badly i mean that that the evolution that you're talking about is is extreme in many cases yeah but i would even argue that when it started the the whole uh nationalist movement goes even back to to reagan and that's kind of what he ran on was you know after the the fiasco of the vietnam war and how the troops were treated when they came back and the civil unrest that unrest that came from that he was kind of like pushing this whole you know America's great. Let's yeah. you know, let's let's be great. And where did the uh, where did the America first slogan come from? Because I wasn't I know it wasn't with Trump. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I heard that more or less until 2012, maybe. Um, maybe even see. 2008. I don't think I don't think it predates Obama becoming president or running for president i think the 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 america first comes from that feeding on the whole uh why do we send so much money overseas when we need have people here who need help from the same people who wouldn't who wouldn't give a dollar to a homeless person if it if it would save their life you know yeah this is what i was trying this is what i was looking for so ronald reagan used a slogan in his 1980 presidential campaign that was that said let's make america great again so that's what 
that's kind of what I was I was looking gotcha. for. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You know, and the, the whole thing with Reagan, you know, Reagan, as I've always called him Saint Reagan, uh, you know, was somebody that uh he knew the political game. He knew how to play the political game. He was a he was a a Republican that was able to become governor of California, you know, which is, mm-hmm. you know, no small feat. You know, it's a it's 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 possible because we've seen other Republicans become well, governor there. But and to be fair, when he was governor of California, it was probably easier than it theoretically is now, especially after the recall situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when Ronald Reagan, you know, after he won the nomination for the Republican Party. His very first campaign stop was in Philadelphia, Mississippi, which people that don't really know, they're like, okay, so what? He's a Republican making a stop in, you know, Republicanville South. You know, but what people on the far right and far left understood at that time was yeah, you know, Philadelphia, Mississippi, hell yeah, you know, that's where the Freedom Riders were killed. That's the only thing that's ever fucking happened in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You know, Reagan knew that. You know, it was a dog whistle to that white supremacist movement that well, he, it was, it was he a, cultivated. What? I was say it was a northernish <coughs> candidate trying to, uh, you know, ease the south into voting for him yeah and it worked and it worked yeah. and it's worked ever since you know that 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 southern strategy has been this you know the, that's how it's been for you know 40 years my entire life you know that mm-hmm. uh the that that the the dog whistle politics you know as you want to call it uh has, has been played you know you don't see that on the left you know i can't think of an right. instance where you know, the, I, I guess if you're going to, I guess you can. Okay. If you're Joe Biden going to black churches in South Carolina, I guess that's probably something that's uh, at least similar ish. Right. Well, and I would say that the, the left has their own issues when it comes to that, like um, virtue signaling. And then it kind of starts with the black churches trying to get the minority vote. Yeah. Um, you're going to see it more and more now with uh, uh, LGBTQ uh, organizations and things like that. They're going to have, as a result, those organizations are going to have some political sway, which yeah. is good. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it is. We know it's pandering to them. It, of course not, it is. You know, they are getting something out of it, but they, they're not. Are they, they really, use, though? Because that, was, well, the, that, no, was, that was the big that was the big backlash in the 2020 election, you know, everyone thought Joe Biden was going to win in a landslide. What they didn't count on was so much of the Latino vote going to Joe Biden. I'm sorry, going to Donald Trump. And that's because there's a lot of people in the Latino community that look at the the Democratic Party as a whole and say, yeah, you know, every two or four years, you come out and ask ask us for our votes. But what the fuck have you done for us? Right. You know, what have well, what have the Democrats done for the you know the Latin population in the United States? At least on the Republican side, they basically are who they say they are. They are gonna kick out the people that don't belong here, you know. Right. Well, the sad thing is is that if 
if the Republicans had their way, they'd pick they kick out everyone who was brown. But you know what? The, the like so when I started, I started working in immigration in 2012. There was uh, you know this like running joke that Barack Obama was the deporter in chief. You know, at that time he had deported more people than any other president. You know, so when you see things like that, uh, but you know, he went out and 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 got the the Latino vote in. 2012 and 20 uh in 2008 and 2012 he got the latin vote in the united states you know i'm not sure how it broke down in 2016 but i'd be willing to bet money that more the 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 uh hispanic vote in the united states went to donald trump than what it did in, in 2016 possibly yeah i don't know what the, i don't know what the, de- the demographics are the numbers that's, that's what I'm saying, though, is it, at some point, uh, you know, the Democrats need to actually create policies to help more of those minority uh, groups. And I know it's really hard to do because the way that are the, the Senate is structured, it's really easy to block legislation. Right. But. You know, at some point they need to be able to break through that, you know, and, and actually put through policies to help people. And, you know, that really starts on a state level. That's not even on like a national level. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, it, if they don't do a better job over the next, you know, four or six years, you know, you, I think you're going to see more of that uh hispanic vote going to to republicans well a lot of i think a lot of that goes to the fact that the the democrats don't have a unified message they have a unified message during the elections but then after that it all falls apart then you've got the joe mansions and and the aocs who want their their agendas pushed and there's no unified order to it whereas republicans they just do whatever the the leader of the party is doing they they fall in suit with that yeah and that allows them to not necessarily look better because those policies typically are are worse for the for the country but at least they they're focused on one specific thing moving things in one direction and democrats don't have that they do not they have once once the election's over they just go their own separate ways and pull right from the middle and nothing gets done yeah it's just uh i don't know kind of going back to the whole beginning there it's interesting to see how uh you know september 11th played a large role in kind of everything that's happened since then Mm -hmm. it's uh you know the day that changed american society i guess well and you could argue it changed the world in general but yeah um it's you know because it happened here it's gonna you know we're the epicenter so it's it's all filtered out because a lot of the problems in the world are mirroring us and nowhere near as badly, but they're mirroring yeah. us. Look at the UK. I mean, they've got their own Donald Trump right now, Boris Johnson. Yeah, and he's not, not as bad as Boris. Not Donald nearly Trump. as bad, but but uh, you know his his stance on immigrants is the same. His uh, uh, inability to I don't know. I wouldn't say inability. He uh, he's morally compromised. We'll say much like Trump is in terms of his uh, extracurricular behaviors. Yeah. 
it's just uh it's interesting it's interesting to see the the kind of rabbit hole we've gone down over oh, the last yeah. couple of decades but uh yeah, I, I mean, I, we we had a whole topic we were going to talk about today but uh i guess we're not going to get to it since we're like an hour into the show now yeah so that's okay it's it's not any more interesting than what we were discussing because I, 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 I thought i thought we had a really good topic maybe we'll talk about that on the next show yeah we'll see um i well i'll talk to you after the after we're done recording because i once i looked at it because you sent the show topics i'm the one who picked the show topic yeah. Then I was looking at it. I was like, okay, that's what we're talking about. I was like, how are we, how do we talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, well, we'll but, see what happens. But um, uh, any questions or comments, you can email us at lifeingeneralpod at gmail.com and uh, check us out on uh, Facebook because that's the only social media we have now. Yeah. And we wouldn't have that if it was, if we didn't need to. Yeah. Actually, you know, I've been really bad about it. I haven't posted the last couple of shows on. On the Facebook page, I need to get back into yeah pushing the podcast a little bit more. Well, I mean, hopefully, if there if there are a few listeners out there who have listened to us, there are we, we have a the, few the, listeners. The, the the vinyl den too. Hopefully, they're yeah. connected to that as well. So. But uh, oh, that's all I got, man. Until next time, talk to y'all later. Peace. My role, let me tell you about it. This shit right here, man, I'm about about it. Only real niggas reside around me. Yo, lady, drop a card around me. Dip like I know you can, bitch. Show me the rust like we in the ring. Got you two covers, you wanna hang. Shoulder to shoulder, the niggas basic. You know I won't lie. You know that I ain't for that fuck shit. You niggas alright, but I'm way better and she love it. Know that y'all sick as fuck. Here go this tissue, bro. We taking the dub, hoping you get you some. This here like a pick me up. She taking my drugs. Now they see the sign. That's some dollar sign. Now they sick as fuck. Now this sick as fuck. Tell him get well soon. Tell him get well soon. Now you sick as fuck. Get well soon. Oh shit. Watch out, you the car, Billy. Oh shit. Right now, and I'm smiling in your face, bitch. With a gold smile, you should probably make placement to your eye. Niggas sick as fuck. Standing with niggas. Who died for that party? Who died for some bitches who showing their bodies? Swear to God, nigga, this Molly got me up and rolling. These bodies of water. Bring that shit in bottles.